Oh, somebody says, let's say this together, Father. In the name of your son, Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in Christ alone. There's no confusion in this atmosphere. Every heart can behold you as we see ourselves in you. There is no confusion. There's no contradictions in this atmosphere. We see you clearly. And we say your name alone is glorified. And we are edified. Amen. All right. Praise God. Amen. All right. This morning we're starting a new series. We're taking a new turn this morning. Amen. Praise God. Are you excited to be in church this morning? You sure about that? All right. Okay. We call this, uh, I call this, uh, it's just something I teach every year. And um, I just felt like uh, I've not laid so much emphasis on, deep, on it this year as I ought to. And it's very crucial as a preacher to know what you're doing. As a preacher, you must define and be well proposed on what you're doing. You, you, must, have, uh, you must have what we call a structure or something you teach. So this is something I teach every year. Um, and um, I believe it's going to be of a blessing to you. Amen. All right. Following God's plan for your life. That's what we call this. Following God's plan for your life. Following God's plan for your life. I, mean, I believe this series is going to inspire you to... Um, to uh, you have to pay attention to this series. Amen. Um, so many things will be said. Uh, we trust God for utterances. We trust God for um, clarity. And um, I believe it is going to spur you up to uh, understand certain things you need to do. And like I always start, John 8 verse 12. Um, it's just a ritual. I love the scripture. Anytime I'm teaching along the lanes of things like this, I just use the scripture. In John 8 verse 12, it says, Then speak Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So as a believer, you must understand that as you, go, as you get born again, you have the light of life. Amen. Look at in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Hebrews 12 verse 1. So we call this following God's plan for what? For your life. Following God's plan for your life. Hebrews 12 verse 1. It says, wherefore, seeing we also, we compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The emphasis on, he says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So as a believer, uh, you, you must understand some things, you must put certain things very clear, and you must put priorities to certain things, 
and a whole lot of certain things must be clear as in your life. Um, you, uh, I'll say this this way, you've got just one life to live. Um, you've got just one life to live and just, um, um, just one life. There's really no second life. That thing they call, uh, um, in my second life, that they will say, um, uh, you, you, yeah, the, 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 let's use that word YOLO. You only live once. And you know, but people explain it to enjoyment, party, all of those things. They say, see, bro, this is summer. Um, I'm just going to YOLO. I mean, I'm just going to live once because, I mean, it's summer. But, you know, uh, like, like I will just tell you, you only have just one life to live. And you must run the race on your own tracks. And um, you, it's like saying, um, imagine you are in a relay race. I mean, if you watch all those running competitions, um, I remember when you see boat used to run. I, that's when I used to watch um, all those relay tracks, but I don't think I've been keeping up with it ever since you say boot uh, stopped being a, a runner. Who is the latest, fastest runner now in the world? Uh, has anybody been able to beat Zebu's record? Nobody has been able to beat Zebu's record. I, I, I thought as much. Uh, so maybe that's why I just gave up too. Because anytime Musim Boot is <laughs> anytime Musim Boot is running, then I, I I'm always very eager to see how fast. I remember when his documentary came out on Netflix. I, I I immediately I watched it because I needed to know how how was the brain behind how he prepares for one track. He prepares for like a four years. So imagine for just one track and keep consistently practicing four years. So imagine. <laughs> how you're going to beat that kind of record. Are you getting what I'm saying? So back to that. So imagine you are running with the same boat and you, you are almost getting to that number one and you started waving and started saying, bro, <laughs> I'm the winner, I'm the winner. And you're not looking back. Hope you know it's going to beat you, obviously. So you must run the race on your own track. So in, Gono's, in following God's plan for your life, uh, you must find out what is God's plan for my life. And that's what we are trying to study in this series. I'm going to make it very practical as possible. We're going to walk through text of scriptures. We're going to dwell sometimes on this series. We're going to take some time because I don't intend to rush, it, rush this series. So today, I'll permit me to lay foundations as touching what I'm going to be sharing today. Or maybe we'll just see some few parts and We'll just progress from here, but I'm going to lay foundations. And because a lot of people don't even understand, when we say God's plan for your life, a lot of people just think, okay, there's just something from, from an oblivion coming somewhere. What's God's plan for your life? So the question is, in, in following God's plan for your life, what exactly is God's plan for your life? So, and the truth of the matter is, if you have been a Christian for a couple of years, and you can't say, this is God's plan for your life, I tell you you're in trouble because you would be in another person's plan. You'll be in your own plan. You know, there is your own plan for your life. There is another person's plan for your life. In fact, if you if you if you're born in an African home, there is your parents' plan for your life. Hope you know what I'm talking about. And there is community plan. If you're born in an African community, there is what the expectations of the community wants from you. So there is community plan for your life. 
In fact, if you come to school, there's even a campus plan for your life. Your class teacher, if you have, a, if you have an advisor, your advisor can start leading you towards a direction. And they ah, I see that you are weak in these classes. Why not go in this direction? So there is your advisor plan for your life. There is also even your boss plan for your life, such that your boss will tell you that if you if you start up on this ladder, four years from now, three years from now, you're gonna grow up and we'll send you to that company and edit and be the general manager. You're like, whoa. So you start chasing that. So there is also your boss plan for your life. Now you see that there's different plans. <laughs> so now imagine you're not getting married also or you're about to get married, or you're in a relationship, there is your partner's plan for your life. Because there's going to be an expectation that you're just like, no, I don't like the way you're going. Okay, they'll now tell you, because of love. And it's because of marriage. That is why I went in this direction. I just love my husband. I just love my wife. So that's why I did this. So there's also partner's plan for your life. Have you seen that? So now, you have to start asking yourself a question as I teach this series. Hey, What's plan am I in? Partner's plan, uh, my parents' plan, my own plan, my advisor's plan. What, what, you know, there's also movies plan for your life. You know, you can also watch a movie and you're like, wow, I'm inspired. I'm going in this direction. Or you watch a documentary and say, whoa, I want to be the next Messi that led Mandela Freedom Fighter. Uh, you find yourself in jail and all of those things. <laughs> so there is also movies plan for your life. So the question is, what exactly is God's plan for your life? So we're going to be on this series for quite a while, right? Are you going to? Are you liking it already? All right. We're going to be on this series for quite a while because we'll need to take a whole lot of explanations, practical steps walking you through many things. So I beg you, don't miss any series in this teaching. It's going to help you. So like I said, if you have been a Christian for a couple of years and you cannot find, and you cannot say, this is God's plan for my life, or you've been born again for quite some couple of years and you cannot say, I know it. This is what God has called me to do. This is God's plan for my life. I can tell you the truth that you are in trouble. You are in sincere trouble. So, because we live in a world that is governed by opportunities, we live in a world that is governed by chances, opportunities, even, in fact, we live in a world that is governed by so many rules, so many things. The life already has its stages. When you are born, you go into kindergarten. From kindergarten, you go into uh, uh, elementary school. From elementary school, you go into middle school, from middle school you go into high school, from high school you say that you go to college or you don't go to college or you go somewhere from college, you suspect that you get a job or from high school you'll have started working in McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's and, <laughs> and Taco Bells and all of those things. Then gradually, gradually you will start moving the ladder gradually and start saying, okay, I think I can be a chef. I like cooking. I think I can be a chef in a uh, steakhouse, Ruth Can Chris Steakhouse or you just gradually gradually move there to dishwasher to oh you say oh I can't do this you can't do this you were like okay let me work in the warehouse when you're back paying you I said no I can't do this I can't do this let me um go to um, a call center and just walk so you see there's already there's already factions of life where you do something so if you finish it's expected that okay 
Once you get there, you climb the ladder, climb the ladder, make a spending living, get a car, get a good house, pay your bills, and the cycle continues. Then you wake up in the next morning, you date, have, have a child, have children, or children sees, because some people give birth to like 12 children. So you can, you can, so you know, you give birth, so you have children, then the cycle continues, then you die. You leave, you just wake up, walk to work, 401k, plan the 401k, do all the retirement plan. At some point, like summer like this, you plan a vacation. And from vacation, you're just like, ah, what else should we do? You just be like, okay, I just saw this on TikTok, let's let's do it too. You do it. Then after a while, after a while, you grow old. Then you start sitting down outside and not minding your business and proclosing to your neighbor's business and you start waiting for your grandchildren to give birth and so that they can come and be giving you money every time. And when it's Thanksgiving, you'll be arranging Thanksgiving for all the children. And the cycle continues. And then you don't ask it to God be the glory. Amen. That's what a life well lived. <laughs> so we live in a world that is already governed by that opportunities, governed by that system governed by that um, um, plan. So the world already has its own plan for you. Such that once you are finishing school like this, once you are getting to a certain age, if you are not married, your parents will start asking you, uh-uh, bro, sis, uh, when are you bringing the man home? Who is he? So there's that pressure. So, or if you don't have a job, they will tell you, but you finish school. Why don't you have the job yet? Uh-uh, why this? So there is already that life system that the world already has. And <laughs> so the world already has its own patterns. And you must not get lost in that to think that is your own, that is what God or that is God's plan for your life. Remember, the title of this teaching or the title of this series is what? Following God's plan for your life. You can personalize and say, following God's man for my life. I'm teaching you as I teach myself this series, and we're all going to get clarity together. Amen? Amen. All right. So, you have to find out what is God's plan for my life. Because you cannot live this life with um, chances. You can't live this life with opportunities. You can't live this life with... Uh, with uh, following the, the mob, following the mob of what people are saying, what people are doing. Okay, my father studied. You know, in fact, even some of your names that they are gotten is just because your parent likes the name somewhere, they give you the name. So you see where it started from, even before your birth. They, they didn't like the name somewhere, they saw somebody had the name, so they just picked it from somewhere. Hmm. From there, they, they have already conditioned you that maybe the, your parent had a child. It's just like some of you now. You've already started having a childhood ambition for your children that you have not given birth to. So you already say, ah, my daughter will be this. Ah, you've not even allowed the daughter to be born. So you, you've already started say, ah, once I have my daughter, she's not going to try this challenge. Once I have my daughter, the way I would think, ah, ah. See, so you see, you have already started determining the life of your unborn children. Imagine the kind of way they determined your whole life before you were born. They say, ah! His name is, when they did this scan, they said he's going to be a boy. This is how I want him to go. So as you are not going in that direction, they will start flogging you. They will start talking to you. They will start thinking you don't have sense. They will start thinking, ah, what's going on? So we already live in that world where it seems like 
We have chances. We have opportunities. There is already a system that the world is governed. I'm trying to be very slow this morning. Amen. I'm not trying to be fast. Because <laughs> these things, I believe, is something that everyone has to understand. So I'm trying my best as possible to keep my cool to ensure that this thing is properly understood. So we'll look at this series in, in a book of what is his plan, what is his purpose, and what is his pursuit on your life. What is his plan, what is his purpose, and what is his pursuit for your life. Look at in 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Amen. Like I said, today I'm just kind of gisting around, you know, just having a good time with you, okay? Maybe next week we'll get into the nitty-gritties of what we got to do. All right, look at in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Let's look at 24. It says, are you there? Are we there, guys? Yeah? All right, it says, Know ye not that they which run in the race run all. But one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. So he now says in 26, he now says, I therefore so run. So he said, if you, if you, start, if you start in verse 4, he said, we should run, right? We should run in a race and run all that we may obtain. Then that says, run so that ye may obtain. So we must understand that we are in a race in life. There's something you must put carefully to yourself that I am in a race. And in this race, it says in verse 5, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate. It now says, it now says that, uh, so it now says, now they do it to obtain an incorruptible crown, but an incorruptible. So we must understand that in the matters of our race, self-control also matter. Self-control plays a major role in God's plan. Self-control is very key. And we're going to look at how self-control is key. The desire to want everything. <laughs> we're going to look at how this is key as we approach this subject. So, because when we are in this race, uh, it's not everything we're going to do. It's not everything we're... It's not every places we're going to go. It's not every places we're... It's not everything we're going to achieve. So, but we are in a race. And like I said, self-control plays a major occupation. So, you have to put that down. It's going to matter as in the... In, in, it's going to matter later in this series. So there's something you must understand that as a believer, you have the spirit of God and your, in your spirit is self-control. You see in Romans 8 verse 14 to 16, Romans 8 verse 14 to 16, it says that for as many as led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It says, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit is bearing witness with our spirits that we are, what? The children of God. So he says, for as many as led by the spirit of God, they are called, what? The sons of God. So there's something you must always understand is that as a believer, 
just with you being a believer, you have the Spirit of God indwelt in you. You have the fact, you have the privilege of the Spirit of God in you. You have His leading in you. You have His witness in you. So the inward witness is a nitty-gritty in knowing what God wants you to do. I'll say it again. The inward witness is a nitty-gritty in knowing what God wants you to do. The inward witness is a major role, plays a major role in what God wants you to do. Look at it at 14. It says, as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In 16, it now says, the Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are what? The children of God. So the Spirit of God. So my spirit knows the Spirit of God. So as you are seated right now, there's something you must understand is that your spirit knows the Spirit of God. Your spirit can understand the Spirit of God. It knows it. Your spirit knows when God is talking. Your spirit knows when God is not talking. Your spirit knows when God is speaking. Your spirit can understand God because you are already born of the Spirit. So you see that there is a privilege with you just being born again. It just set things aright. Are you seeing it now? It set things aright. So now, in following God's plan for your life, in the nitty gritties, you have to check. In following God's plan for your life, in just the littlest decisions you are about to take, many other times we have to check. We have to check, okay, is this decision I'm about to take, is it in line with God's plan for my life? In following God's plan for your life, you have to check. Sometimes in your head, you are comfortable with some things. Like, I mean, you got your plans all figured out. You, you've arranged the stuff. Like, okay, this is the south. This is the west. This is the north. This is the east. You've put everything else, all arranged. But you, but you just feel, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you practical things. You, you've arranged it. You've planned. You've even talked with somebody. You, the, person, the person already told you, this is it. Everything just looks set as an organized plan but somewhere deep in your heart there seems to be a check the check is like your peace is you are just unsettled your peace is just you know in philippians 4 verse 7 look at it in philippians 4 verse 7 because there's something you have to understand as christians look at it in philippians 4 verse 7 look at what it says we can even start from verse 6 it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayers and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In verse 7, it now says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Right? Is that what it says? It says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Shall what? Shall what, guys? Keep your heart what? A mind through Christ. So it says, it will keep your hearts and minds through Christ. So that shows, as a believer, as a man indwelt of his spirit, as a man who is naturally led of the spirit just because he is born again, 
there is something within the believer that puts the believer in check. And that is the peace of the believer. That is, so that's why some of you make plans, you make arrangements, you, you settle so many things, you put certain things left, right, center, middle, everything organized. You said, okay, um, as I finish this business, okay, I'm going to this business, as I move in this business, I will go in this direction. Everything just look organized. And the next thing is that you just feel, ah, uh, you just check your heart and you just feel, mm, something is up somewhere. And I, I just can't seem to place it. And let me tell you, <laughs> it is not worry. Let me explain this thing carefully to you. That feeling is not a worry. It's not a fear. You must learn to place certain things to yourself. It's not anxiety. It's not worry. It's not fear. It's not anxiety. And we're going to get all of these things later. Are you learning something? Are you sure? Alright. So, it's always good to know the inward witness. It's always very, very good to know what the inward witness is all about. What is the inward witness? I've always explained to you that the inward witness either endorses, refutes, or accepts a fact. It's just in a short man, short in a, just a, just a, the inward witness either endorses, refutes, or accepts a fact. Endorses refutes or accept a fact, endorses, refutes, or accepts a fact. So, the inward witness, so that is something we call the inward witness. That is, there's that check within your spirit as touching your decisions. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Such that there's just something when you make a plan, there's just something off somewhere in your mind and you can't place it. I don't know if you've had that feeling before. And you just can't explain it, right? That's the inward witness. It's the Spirit of God telling you, bro, you got to check this again. You have to check this again. Since you, you got to put certain things in perspective again. So when you are not clear, let me, let me, give, you this, let me give you this issue or let me give you this answer. When you are not clear as touching what to do about something, don't do anything. Do nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you are not clear, when it's as though you plan this, you plan that, and somewhere in your heart, you just feel like something is not wrong. You're just, you're still saying, you know that thing of, I'm still trusting God for direction, I'm still not clear. Try as much as possible, don't take any action. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because once you take an action, you're going to make a mistake. You're not going to get it all right. So do nothing. Because God's plan also has God's timing. God's plan also does what? Has God's timing. And Kenneth again will always say, it is better to be slower than God than to be faster than him. Because if you're slower, you can eventually catch up. And if you are faster, you're going to miss out. So it's many a times it's better to be slower. It just, there's just something about a, just you being a bit more patient. 
just a bit more patient, a bit slower than to be faster than me. So, the inward witness helps us to check our decisions. The inward witness helps us to check our decisions, especially even when it looks okay in our minds. See, me and you can have a plan, okay? Uh, we set out a plan, we draw out a plan. Okay, this is how we're going to go about this. See, even when our plans align with everything, one thing the inward witness does is that it puts our decisions in check. Like, ah, am I sure I'm making the right decision? Uh, am I sure this is the right way to go? You just start feeling uncomfortable. As you start feeling that uncomfortable, ensure you do nothing. Because if you do something immediately, you never can tell the consequences of it. You really never can tell the consequences of it. So, like I said, we have God's plan. We have men's plan. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have what? God's plan. And we do what? Men's plan. We have men's plan. So, it's important for us to follow God's plan for our lives, even in little things. Little things like, oh, I want to just maybe relocate. Okay, is it time for me to change um, this thing? It's just important. See, because if you learn to follow God's plan in little things, when the bigger things come, you will have been used to it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you have learned to put God first on just little issues like, okay, maybe, Lord, help me out with my finances. Should I buy a phone now? Or is there something else I can use the money to do? Or so, you know, just little things like that. And you just have a leading as touching certain things like that. Oh, okay. That, so, imagine you have started getting used to it. There's just that saying that says, um, tiny water, is it tiny water or little water makes a, makes a mighty ocean? Is that, is that, is that the saying? Little drops of water makes a tiny, uh, makes a, makes an ocean or something. Now, so, imagine you follow God's plan on little things. Little things. Little things. So, you must understand and that it's important to follow God's plan in your life. So, little things like, okay, how do I go about this um, direction? How do I fake this step? How do I fake this... Uh, uh, you know, how do I fake this step? What's, what, how do I, how do I, how do I uh, go in this direction? You know, God's plan is, can be followed carefully. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So, because God does not superimpose himself on people. I'll, I'll say this very clearly and I, I want you to understand this. See, everybody listen to me. God does not superimpose himself on people. And we're going to study it in the course of this series. We're going to look at the divine providence, um, the divine nature of God, the his supernatural orchestrations, all of those things. He really does not superimpose himself on people. So let's say, you decide and say, I am going to walk in my own plan, is going to leave you to it. But who is going to 
be at losing in you. So God stays with us for long. That's, and let me tell you something. You will notice that many of us in your life, God just stayed with you for so long. 10 years, 15 years, he's just been leading you. Go in this direction. This is what I've called you to do. Go in this. It is ministry. Do this. Ah, don't you want to serve me? And he just keeps staying with you. He just keeps staying with you. He just keeps... You'll just be putting nudges in your heart. So many times when you come to church, you are hearing the same thing almost every Sunday. In fact, even the preacher must not be... The preacher is not saying everything, no. The preacher is not saying anything, no. The preacher is not saying the same thing, no. But you are just hearing the same thing every Sunday to your ears. Like, you know what we say? It's the same message I just preaching that church every Sunday. <laughs> That's not it. It's actually God staying long with you. See, uh, I, okay, I don't want to give you... I, I'll share some personal stories with you in the course of this series. And I'll make certain things clear to you. So sometimes you just be wondering, ah, why am I hearing the same thing every Sunday? What if I've been in that shoe before? And sometimes the preacher is teaching a different series, a different topic, but God is making your ears hear that same thing. That is him staying with you for long. That, ah, bro, sis, can you not just, just yield? Staying with you, it's still, it doesn't superimpose itself like say, boom, do this, then you start doing it. Mm, that's, not, that's not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives men their will, their choices, but he's long-suffering. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's very long-suffering. So he stays with you on that issue for long. So even when you are making the decision and you have made a mistake, he's still telling you, ah, you are still feeling uncomfortable about it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. You've made some decisions, you've made some mistakes, you're still feeling, ah, uh, you're still feeling that way. It's because he's trying, he's very long-suffering. He's very long-suffering. And one of the things we're going to study in this series is how to, when we make mistakes, how do we, how do we turn it into God's plan? Hallelujah. We're in for a good ride. Amen. All right. Look at in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. Are you enjoying this, brethren? So we said it is what? What do we call our series? Following God's plan for your life. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. Let's read it together. I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. What does he say? He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And I have kept the faith. Now, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. So now, you must understand something. Before, before we even come to this text, you, I want to show you something. That, especially, let me, let me still stay on that, that staying with you for long. And he doesn't superimpose himself. And, you know, God, the way God is, right, he doesn't, he doesn't force you to do anything, but he leads you, he directs you, he points you on the direction. It's like saying a GPS. The best way we can follow God's plan, let me tell you, eh? let, me, let me give you a good description of God's plan for your life. Starting route to uh, your address. I don't want to mention any address now. Starting route to Let's say, uh, how Albany, New York, right? 
and or let's say Mahaffey, New York or Times Square Garden. From here to Times Square Garden, it's going to take about five hours plus. If it is avoid those, it's seven hours now. So imagine you set on that course and you're going. Take a left. You're going to take a left, right? Take a right. You're going to take a right, right? Thorn in two miles. Take exit one million. You're going to take it in seven miles. Take exit one whatever. You're going to follow it now. You know, there will be a time you want to buy gas. Right? You're not going to follow that GPS. The GPS will obviously not lead you to gas station, except you put gas station. Right? You will just look at what is it as a Three twenty-nine. Let me go there. If you are like me, I will make sure that I've done like five comparisons of different gas stations before I settle my heart on one. So if I check one, like ah, that's four. Eh? No, no, I can't do that one. See how that one? Three. Ah, <laughs> I'll still go far. I'll still be trusting God that this thing will not turn yellow. <laughs> ah, as it turn yellow, ah, it can still last me for one hour. Still be trusting God again. They just see, so when you now reach the point where they tell you if you if you are, if you have some cars that tell you two miles to zero or one mile to zero, you just tell yourself ah you have to go to this one. So now when you finish in the gas station, so let's say you go to the gas, you know the GPS didn't route you to the gas station except you were the one who turned the GPS around to a gas station, right? Okay, now see. So now many a times. The GPS is leading you. Let's take the GPS as, in quote, God, right? You now decided to follow your plan. I want to fill my tank. Is it not logical? Right? Filling your tank is logical. It's normal. You have to fill your tank, right? That is exactly what we do. I wonder if you get this explanation I'm making. Let me see your hands. That is exactly what we are doing. So we would just say, ah, this is logical. This is very logical. I just need to feel my thank. I just need to get this job. I mean, I'm going to make this money. I mean, I'm going to do this. I mean, I'm going to do that. Bro, have you sat down to ask yourself, is that God's plan for me? <laughs> it's a very big question. Because I know that in this series, many things will change. Right? Hallelujah. So, it's a very big question. And many a times, you know it. It's just like, let's say, okay, there was a day I was traveling to, I think, uh, I think it was Rochester here. And I wanted to try to visit, I, I, I know a friend in um, Philadelphia. And I was like, okay, no, let me, give you, let me not give you that one. Let me give you another story. I, I went to New York uh, last year. And I mean, uh, I, I mean, uh, uh, state, state in Ireland last year, uh, I think November. And as I was coming back, I, I, I knew a friend in New Jersey. So it was late in the night and I was like, I don't think I can go home again. I'll just stay with a friend in Jersey and I will leave, right? Now, the GPS actually directed me to my house. But because I kind of, I've, I've been in Jersey for a, a little bit, so I, I kind of know my way around Jersey somehow, it, not all 100%, but mm, maybe like 10%. So 
So I just branched to Jersey, right? Logical things. I want to stay. I mean, I was so tired. I did not want to go. I just want to rest. Now, that's very logical, right? Now imagine, it, imagine, now, don't, it's just, a, I'm just giving you an, an illustration. Now imagine staying in my friend's house wasn't God's plan. You know, I would try to explain like, ah, ah, in my head, like, these things, I just need to rest. Would I travel without not resting? Are you getting what I'm saying? Am I going to travel without resting? Am I going to be somewhere? You know, God is not going to force you. Oh, <laughs> God is not going to force you. A lot of us, that's where we make the mistake. We are expecting that. If it is God's plan, so we'll God will just carry our leg like this and put it inside. No. <laughs> no. He's never going to superimpose himself on you. He's just going to put that check within you like, <sighs> are you sure? This is my plan. Amen. Amen. You're quiet. That's why many a times some of you think your dreams are devilish. Your last point, point of contact, the last point of contact to God talking to you is your dreams. Just like even the ministry of the laying on events is the last point of contact in receiving. Many a times true words you can receive. That's why in Mark 6 it says they, they had no honor, right? And he laid hands on a few sick. So that was their last, that was the last thing he could just do for them to be healed by laying on of hands in Mark 6. So many a times we now see dreams of God coming to us and warning you that, ah, you're going to have an accident tomorrow. You you have planned the thing. You plan it. You now start saying, I rebook debt, I rebook debt, I rebook debt. <laughs> you, you have been having a sensation within you that. You should not travel, but you have already planned yourself vacation summer. This, this, that. Then you're not seeing death of, you're not seeing dreams of death. Death, you see, it's the devil. Bro, that's the best way God can try to save you. How many of you know that? A lot of people who are not, as it were, let me use the word in quote, as it were, knowledgeable with scripture, have good interpretations of dreams. Let me, let, let me see your hands. That's God's last way of contact to them. Yes, they might not be able to get impressions because their minds are clogged with so many distractions, so many things. So God will wait for when their minds are settled. They will now see them, see them and say, see this is That's why you see some of your parents tell you or some elderly people tell you, hmm, I don't hear God do, but if I just dream like this, <laughs> all my dreams is to come to pass. They, they will even tell you that, ah, me, I'm Joseph the dreamer. <laughs> oh, how many of you have heard people talk like that? <laughs> so, it's God actually still talking. <laughs> so, the word weakness is so simple. So, dreams, that's why, it's, that's why dreams look like that last point of contact. That, ah, if you cannot catch it, if you cannot pick a pressure, you cannot see visions, you cannot see something. It will just be coming to you in your dream. So, but you know what we are doing? You and I will start binding and losing. I bind you, devil. You devil. Some, some things are not devil. <laughs> some things is just because your pastor has spoken, you not pay attention. Your pastor has told you this, you not listen. In fact, the message, 
the mess a message supernaturally played by his self or saga. You have, you play something, or something just move. The message was like that to hear something. You, say, you put you took it back again. Bish. You say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to hear. Then in your dream, you start hearing echoes. You start thinking, ah, uh-uh. the devil just came to speak to me. It's not. <laughs> He's not speak to you. You know, what do you think happened that the wise men, right? Look at the wise men, guys. The wise men, God could not talk to them physically because they were ended going back to Herod. God had to talk to them in the dream. If you did go back to Herod, <laughs> God had to come and speak to them in the dream. If you go back to Herod, that's when they learned their lesson and took another turn. On the norm, they were going back to Herod to go and tell him, we have found the master. So Herod would quickly go and kill him. God, that's how they just learned their lesson. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you must understand that life is actually even supernatural. I've always told you. Life is actually supernatural. Okay. So, the inward witness is so simple that many of you complicate it. Very simple. That many of you complicate it. And let me tell you something. God is your father. (laughs) You will know when your father is talking to you. If I hear my father in the natural or my spiritual father in the natural speak to me, I know his voice. (laughs) Even in my dream, I do. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is how God's voice is actually very real to us as believers. You are just the one who have complicated it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are just the one who have done what? Complicated it. So, and many a times it's because you refused. So, God never speaks to his children. And let me tell you something. God never speaks to his children in parables. Oh, the good Samaritan. God will now be showing you parables. I say, then you now wake up and say, what meanest thou? God never speaks to his children in parables. He speaks to you in plain language. He speaks to you very, he speaks to you as clear as I'm talking. As clear as I'm talking. He doesn't speak to his children in parables. He doesn't speak to his children in, okay, this is a, he doesn't speak to you, it's plain speeches. He tells you no. See, God says no. But many of you want to hear, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. I'll worship you. I'll serve you. Yes. <laughs> no. It speaks to you very clear. Very, very clear. Very, very, very clear. It doesn't mean it's parables. That's why when you come out from a dream, immediately you will know the meaning. You will know whether it's the devil that really showed himself. Or is God authority, but you just quickly turn your mind to ah ah. See, is God God can be correct You quickly switch it and say ah ah. You would not want to accept it in your mind. I was going to deal with all of those things. Oh. Ah, we are going to. I wonder if you enjoy enjoying enjoy enjoy this. It's practical, right? It's quite practical. Okay, cool. All right, look at that Second Timothy four verse seven again. Look at it. 
He says, I have fought a good fight and I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So there is such a thing as knowing your assignments and knowing your course in life. There is such a thing as knowing your assignments and knowing your what? Your course in life. In this 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, Paul was saying, I have fought a good fight of faith. I have finished my course. The truth of the matter is, you don't finish what you don't start. You can't finish what you don't know. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's just like saying, you put a GPS. Let's go back to our GPS example. If you have not gotten to your destination where it says arrived, you have not gotten to your destination, right? And many a times, you and I know the real destination, but we don't know the directions to take us there. That's why many a times, when it's two minutes to the place, you take off your GPS, right? You're like, I didn't know the road. But that's, that is, this GPS definition is exactly how your life is. You don't, but you know your starting route, right? Many of you start from home, you come here, it's just like saying, Thank God, now the Supernatural Community Church is on Google. You can put it on GPS. If you get to Lace Stations Road, you can easily switch it up and say, I know where I'm coming to. Right? Right, guys? Yeah, exactly. Now, you don't start. You can't even finish what you have not started. You can't even finish what you don't even know you started. Are <laughs> you getting what I'm saying? So, the question for many of us is, what exactly are we even starting? What are we finishing? You don't finish what you don't start and what you don't even know. And I will say this, there are actually rewards. Look at in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. Are, because Paul said in that place, he said, for the good fight, look at, let, let's read it before we go to 1 Corinthians 15. In that says in verse 8, Henceforth, there is laid up a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at the day, and not only unto me, but unto them also that love is appearing. So that shows there's going to be a reward for every man who has finished his course. There's going to be a reward for every man who has run his race well. That's why we looked at in that 2 Corinthians that we read, in 2 Corinthians 9, it says, I have to run. So, that shows that there are rewards for Christian living. Let me tell you the truth. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is just the gift of the Father, what the Father has done for you. Salvation is not a reward. That you got born again doesn't mean you will be rewarded and say, God will now tell you thank you for being born again later. No. Salvation is not a reward. It is what you did with the salvation that is a reward. The race you set, the race you ran, with that same salvation that you received, that's the reward. Look at the 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. That's why, see, there's judgment seat too. There's bema seat of Christ. And we're going to look at everything. Amen. Look at it. It says, therefore, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 58. It says, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Look at what he now says. For as much as ye know that what? So, is there going to be rewards? Yes. So, death is not an end of his own. No, 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 no. 
A lot of people think, even when Jesus was alive, Jesus said, I have done the work of him that sent me. I have come to do the work of him that sent me. Are you saying that there's actually a race? Say, I have done, I have come to do the work of him that sent me while it is day. And that says, when night cometh, no man can walk. After he was finishing, he said, I have finished the work of my father. He said, I have finished the work while he's alive. So that means, death doesn't mean the end of a race. So you can know when you started and you can know when you finished. I remember when Bishop Benzie, that was how I was dying. He told them before he died, he said, I'm done with what God has called me to do. Before he died, some days before he died, he said, I'm done. I know it. Even Kenneth again said, I'm done. I, I knew what God has called me to do. I'm done with it. Pastor Benin is still alive today. And I heard him say one time, he said, actually, what I'm just doing right now is just, is th- I heard him say this thing, and he said it not once, not twice, not three times. He said, I don't know why I'm still alive. He said, because I have finished what God has called me to do many years ago. He said, my being alive is just a grace and a privilege to mentor younger people. He said, but exactly what God has called me to do, he said, I was done with it years ago, and he's still alive. <laughs> my question for you in this series what is God's plan for your life we're going to find it out right what's the race you're going to set right what's the race you're going to run so in our spirit there is a race within your spirit let me tell you there is a race you are going somewhere use my GPS de- description to understand it so within my spirit Within your spirit, within my spirit, there is a race we are running. There is a destination we have to approach. So we are on a navigation map. And I asked you a question. I asked you. And when we started, when I started talking earlier, I said, life already has its own challenges. Life already has its own, its own stepping stones, its own definitions. So that when you are born, you go to kindergarten, they will teach you how to recite, how to talk, they will teach you how to walk. Then from there you go to elementary school, from elementary school you go to middle school, from middle school you go to high school, from high school you go to college, from college you might get a master's, but you might not get a master's. People don't even go to college. People go to, people stop at uh, high school, people drop out, people do everything. There's a job, you go to job, you work, you go for mini vacations every year, you take PTOs, then you do 401k, have a retirement plan, then you sit down at the balcony and you're gone. You build a lot of businesses. For those that are very ambitious, you build a lot of businesses, you make a whole lot of money, you spend it, you enjoy life, you have a good living, and at the end of it all, you die. Because everybody is going to die. Oh, hope you know. I mean, are are you sure you know? Everybody is going to die. Even me. <laughs> We're just praying that it's not soon. <laughs> Hallelujah. Exactly. So now, imagine, by the time you are dying, what would you say? Would you have said you have finished your course? Or you just say, ah, you would have said, I've built business. I've built car. I've bought cars. I've bought houses. Uh, all my all my businesses are all around North America and South America. Uh, um, I'm the richest guy in the world. 
and that is all? Is that all? Is that God's plan for your life? Uh, am I against money? No. Uh, I want money. <laughs> but we're looking at something. So in our spirit, there is a race and we are all going somewhere, right? And there is where we are headed to in our spirit. And many a times, you and I need to learn how to repent. I'll just say this as an aside. Repentance is a way of straightening up. Repentance is like saying, oh, I've acknowledged that I missed it here and I'm going to get it right. Are you getting what I'm saying? You, you quickly straighten it up. So now, there's a destination and everything has its own course. So you've got to be a lot in this race. You've got to be. So there is a race in your spirit that your mind has to follow. There is a race in your spirit that your mind has to follow. Now, what is your mind? I thought you, I think you've listened to Leading on Spirit Series 2. Is this Series 2? Or you would witness, so I don't know, whatever. Now, your mind is where a lot of informations are. Right now, you have, some of you, as you're even sitting down, you're thinking of so many things. You're in this service, you're not in this service. That's your mind working. Your mind is working 24-7, working every time, working all the days. As you go to work, you're working. Your mind is working. As you're watching a movie, your mind is working. As you're checking your phone, your mind is working because it takes your mind to know how to respond to people. As you're doing things, your mind is just working. Your mind is thinking till you fall in love. I'm just joking. <laughs> Many times when people fall in love, their mind stops working because their mind would not be fixed on one person. <laughs> I'm just joking. Just take me serious. <laughs> so there's a destination. There's a destination. So if you read Philippians 3, Philippians 3, are you learning something this morning? Yes, You're quite quiet for my liking. Just looking at me like, hey, am I really? I like that feeling anyway. Look at the Philippians story. It says uh, in verse 13, it says, Brethren, I count myself to, appre- to have apprehended, but this is one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching, not, reaching forth for things which are before. In us, in verse 14, I press towards the mark of the price of the high calling of Jesus Christ. It says, I press. I press. So what's that price? So there is a destination. There is a destination. There is a destination that you got to fulfill. There is a destination. So Paul said, I have finished my course. That word course in the Greek is from the is, is like a word career. It's like a career, like saying you finished your your course in school. Are you seeing it? That's that's exactly what that means. Like an occupation, something you are engaged in regularly. That's how the word is explained in the Greek. Now look at let's look at some instances in Acts 13. Let's go to Acts 13. Acts 13, verse 24 to 25. Acts 13. We're looking at our course. Acts 13, verse 24 to 25. Are you learning something this morning? Yeah. Acts 13, verse 24 to 25. Are we there? 
It says, when John had preached before the coming of the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, can we say, as John fulfilled his occupation? Can we say, as John fulfilled his career? Right? It says, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, whom think ye that I am? I am not he. Now, this is somebody who knows exactly his destination in life. He said, who do you think I am? I am not he. But behold, there is somebody who is coming after me. He knew his course. Can we say he knew his career? Can we say he knew his occupation? Right? Okay. Look at in Acts 20. Look at Acts 20. So we're looking at our course. So when Paul said, I have finished my course, is it making sense now? Okay. Look at in Acts 20. Acts 20. Let's start from uh, verse, let's see from verse 19. Let's see from verse 19. <clears throat> he says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many fears and temptations will befell me by lying in wait of the Jews. He says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. So when he says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, you must understand that. Serving the Lord, huh, he is not, you've got to be humble, one, because you, it takes humility to serve the Lord. You've got to be humble to accept his plans and with many tears so serving the lord is not easy this is paul telling you i have several times i was crying then he said and temptation so there are many things temptations means there are many things i'm not supposed to do that i'm tempted to do jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil and he was led to go to that same wilderness you know says we should be family look at in verse um Twenty says, and I kept back nothing from which was profitable for you. So that means serving the Lord will inconvenience you, right? Right? Can we say that? Okay. All right. So he says, I've kept back nothing for which was profitable for you, but I've showed you and I've taught you publicly from house to house. In us is testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greek, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse twenty-two, in us is, and now brethren, I go bound in the Spirit. What does bound means? Can we say bound in the spirit means I'm compelled, right? Can we say I'm compelled, right? That means, and that's where the race is. It says I'm bound. That means I'm compelled where? In my, in my physical body? Is it, in a, is it my physical body? Was it forced in his physical body? Are, are you seeing this, guys? So can we say he was bound in the spirit? Did he want witness? He just knew in his word witness where to go, right? Can we say that, guys? Okay. He was bound in the spirit. I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which are before me. That is, <laughs> I don't even want to care what is going to be there. But as far as I am being led of the spirit to go, I'm going to go. And now says, save the Holy Ghost, witnessing never ceases, seeing the bonds and ablation beside me. Then he now says in verse 24, let's read it together. But none of these things what? Neither what? Count my life dear unto myself, that I may do what? I may finish my what? Can, I say, can you say, I may finish my occupation? My career? My career in God? Right? So, I may finish my course with joy. And what? The ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of what? Of the grace of God. So, he said he was bound to go where? To Jerusalem. Not knowing what, what are the things that will concern him. Can we say this is a man who knows how to follow God's plan for his life? Can we say that? I mean, this is not a man thinking of the opportunities, right? 
going to relocating because of a job, right? Relocating because of money, right? But relocating because he was bound in the spirit to go. He was compared. He just knew this is where God will have him go at this time. And he said, see, none of these things move me. They've told him, ah, things are going wrong in Jerusalem. They will kill you. They will do this. Persecution. He says, save that the Holy Ghost, witnessing in every city, saying that bones and affliction will abide me. That is, they will kill you. They will kill you. They will beat you up. They will do this. Persecution is going to come upon you. He says, but none of these things move me. He says, neither count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. So, brethren, there is a race. There is an occupation we have in our spirits that defies the laws of our minds. There is a race in our spirits, an occupation in our spirits that defies the laws of our minds. It's not logical. It doesn't make sense. Many of the things that God will lead you to do is not going to make sense in your mind. But you know what? We are too conditioned with our mind, social media. We're not living the advent of social media. What somebody is saying, what your friends are saying, what the TV is saying, what your advisor is saying, what your parent is saying. All of those things, all those junks are so in our minds that we don't check what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So, every time, if we go back to that 2 Timothy 4 verse 17, every time Paul mentioned my course, do you notice, all through where we read my course, what was prominent? The work of the ministry. That was something very prominent. I mean, if you notice, when we read it in Acts 13, John the Baptist, the work of the ministry, right? In Acts 20, the work of the ministry, right? In Acts in 2 Timothy 4, verse 17, it says what? The work of the ministry. So, every time they mention my cause, they were talking about service and ministry. Service and ministry. So, God is compelling us to serve the body of Christ. God is compelling every one of you to do what? To serve what? The body of Christ. So there is a race to serve. There is a race to serve. And there is a way to define yourself. You must learn to define yourself. Look at how Paul wrote to, to, to Hakepos. Look at Colossians 4 verse 17. Look at Colossians 4 verse 17. Let's go there together because we want to read it together. Colossians 4 verse 17. Colossians 4 verse 17. Colossians 4 verse 17. Let's read it together. Won't you ready go? I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. Let's wait. Is everybody there now? We're there? Are you sure? Alright, let's read it together. Won't you ready go? And say to Archippus, take it to the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord and do what? Thou fulfill it. Fulfill means to discharge an obligation that God expects you to carry out it on a daily basis. Fulfilling means God expects you to discharge this obligation on a daily basis. Fulfill means you've got something to do. You've got a responsibility to handle. So, in following God's plan for our lives, we can have an idea of what it looks like. And what does it look like? 
the first thing to do is to serve. Is to serve. Is to serve. Are you fulfilling God's plan on your life by service? What's your role in the body of Christ? A businessman? Yeah, I'm a businessman too. But that's not my role in the body of Christ. An engineer? Nah. A nurse? No. A doctor? No. Are all of those professions good? Obviously. Why not? Paul was a tent maker. Paul who said, I fulfilled my course with joy, was a tent maker. Luke was a doctor, the physician. So never rule those things out. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because a lot of people like to hear the wrong things. As they say, we should not, that's not smart. Me, I'm even looking for money myself. Are you getting what I'm saying? At this point, I need thousands of dollars to clear out some things. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, when I now say, I will know, because it is service, I will now get to what I say, Lord, Lord. (laughs) 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 So, in following God's plan for your life, you and I have an idea of what it looks like. And that idea, number first thing is to what? Is to serve. Tell your neighbor, say, are you serving? That's the question. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 to 13. Are you learning something? Let's see. We can start from verse 11. 1 Corinthians 3. He says, I'll wait for you to be there. 1 Corinthians 3. He says, For other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He now says, now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, a stubble, he now says, every man's work shall be what? Made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It says, the fire will try every man. That is, that is where you will receive your reward. Where, what you will be judged with is the kind of service you are rendered. Like I told you. Salvation is not a reward. Don't just say, I'm born again. That's all. <laughs> Actually, that's where you just started from. You are never going to be rewarded for being born again. No, you're never going to be. God only rewards servants. And he doesn't reward salvation. That is why you read in 2 Corinthians 5. Look at the 2 Corinthians 5. Where it was saying, look at 2 Corinthians 5. Look at what it says. It says in verse 17, For therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, all things are passed away, behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So, your being born again has given you what? A ministry of reconciliation. It says to we that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not disputing trespasses unto them, but has committed to us now what? The word of reconciliation. So, ministry and service appears to be the litmus test. Ministry and service appears to be the litmus test. 
That's why you read in Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says he gave some prophet, pastors, apostles, and teachers for the perfecting of saints. Why? For the work of ministry. Go to that Ephesians 4. So that means the work of a pastor is to perfect you to do what? To do the work of ministry. Go there so that you can see it yourself. So that you can serve, right? All right, look at it in Ephesians 4. Let's read it together. Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says, and they gave some apostles, right? Are you there, guys? Ephesians 4, 11, right? It says some apostles, right? Some prophets, right? Some evangelists, right? Some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. Why? Work of ministry for the world. So can we say ministry for the work of service? Right, guys? Can we say ministry is service? Darkonia in the Greek. Service. So, ministry and service appears to be that least most test. It is for the perfecting of the saints and all of those things. So that means, in following God's plan for my life, number one, I need to serve. And I need to know that I have an obligation in the body of Christ. I need to know that I have an obligation in the body of Christ. So that is why this now determines your life. This determines the choices you make. This determines how you are going to live your life. Okay, I'm serving God, yes. I'm fortuning my career, I'm pursuing my academics, pursuing my PhD, pursuing this, pursuing that, pursuing. You get are you getting what I'm saying? But service is the priority. The work of the ministry, service to the Lord and to the body of Christ is the priority. That must be promised. That is why even in choosing a marital partner or in getting married, is my partner going to serve? Is my partner going to spur me to serve God? What is my partner's responsibility in the body of Christ? Or is this somebody that when we are praying, when I'm praying, the person will be saying, why are you praying like that? Why, why are you shouting? Are you getting what I'm saying? You've got to put your priorities straight. So, there is no way. And you, the truth of the matter is, in fact, is life is, man is a product of influence. You cannot say those around you, if people around you are not in active service to God, <laughs> my brothers and sisters, just know that you are about to not be serving God. Because... Whatsoever gets around you will eventually come into you. I hear you what I'm saying. So it's just like even a marital partner again. You can start from the known. You might not have all the facts well known, right? You can start from the known. Is this person serving God? Is this person going to help me serve God? Is this person walking in line with the work of ministry? Is this person born again? You know, we started out born again, right? Because, in fact, for you to be born again, it is a man who is born again that we even know what God's plan is, right? Now, is this person in service? So, you start from the known, right? Does this person go to prayer meeting? Is this person preaching the gospel? Is this person active in devotion? Or are we going to be in the house together and be dating one another or be calendaring one another? And, <laughs> and I'm going to backslide? Are you getting what I'm saying? So that shows even 
in my friendships, even in my relationship, the number one thing that must be a litmus test will be what? Service, right? Service, right? Because we will spur one another to, to do that work, right? Right, guys? Because when, imagine, imagine you are dating somebody that is not serving God. You are never going to serve God. It's the truth. You are going to, you are going to be cold spiritually. Imagine dating somebody that will tell you, ah, you are going to church again. That church that they are just praying in tongues every time. The only thing they know is just tongues. You're never going to, you're going to kill the move of God's spirit in your life. I don't know if you're getting me to this one. Let me see your hands. All right. So, are you seeing how to follow God's love for your life? So, you said that these things are not too complicated. So, when you know the written word, it just determines your life. So, are you going to go to work? Why not? Right? Are you going to go to school? Why not? Right, guys? But you now see the least monsters. Don't forget, we are still building, no. This is just foundational, guys. Today is just foundation. We are trying to lay foundation. We'll probably pick it up properly next week. Amen. Okay. So, knowing that, that God wants you to serve in the body of Christ, you must not set a line mass for yourself. The man's mind, the mind of a man is so powerful. So powerful. That mind is always working. So, it's always working on it. It's always receiving information. It's, it's where your mind is and where the leading of the Spirit is perceived. A whole lot is working in your mind. Even as I'm teaching you, your mind is working. So many things are going on in your mind. That is why in Ephesians 4 verse 17, it made us to understand that. Therefore, I say, I said, look at, look at that Ephesians 4 verse 17. This I say, therefore, testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, right, in what? The vanity of what? Their minds. In the vanity of their minds. So you've got your mind to renew all the time. That's why Paul said, I pray for you that your eyes of understanding will be enlightened more, more and more, that you will come to the hope of his glory. He says, so that you will understand. So your mind has to be worked on a lot. Romans 12, he says, renewing your mind. So you've got your mind to renew all the time because I will re-examine my mind on every issue, right? You know, so that means when my mind is trying to fall in love with this person, let's, why am I talking about this, this falling in love things? Maybe some of you are about to, okay. When my mind is falling in love with this person, right, I'll talk to my mind. Uh, I'll re-examine my mind. Uh, bro, uh, before I dive into this ocean, um, is this service, right? I start re-examining it. In fact, you won't even... A, that alone is the litmus test. Imagine you, imagine you are a preacher of the gospel and you are trying to marry somebody that is not a serious Christian. Do you know that your ministry is finished? <laughs> oh, it's yes now. You said, Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, I want to worship you. Lord, I want to preach the gospel around the world. And the person you said you are dating does not do ministry. She's even looking at you like, why are you even praying? You're just listening to SoundCloud all the time. What's even in the SoundCloud? Yeah, you are going to backslide. Because whatever you keep around you, right, will eventually what get into you. That's life. So you've got your mind to renew all the time. All the time. 
I will check my thought pattern. Is my thought pattern according to God's word? Is my thought pattern aligning to the word? Are you seeing it, guys? Are you seeing how to follow God's plan for your life? Is, is, is this working out? You check it out. Why am I here? Okay, imagine you are somewhere. Let's say you relocate to another city. Why am I in this city? Am I going to serve in this city? What church am I going to? What am I going to be doing for the body of Christ in this city? The God wants me to do this exactly for the body of Christ in this city. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is foremost priority before you start thinking about your admission. That's foremost priority before you start thinking of how to pick up that offer letter for your job. That's foremost priority. Because God's leading is just that simple. But we complicate it with our minds. Always check your motives. Follow his plans for your life. And that's why you will forever need to be sober. You will forever need to be humble. You will forever need to be vigilant to, to never allow temptations come in. So, some people think, I, I've, I've been listening to some preachers and they'll tell me, they'll, they'll say that. Some people think that marriage is the cure to sexual temptations. No, it's really never. It's, in fact, it's just the beginning. So they'll say, I want to get married just because I want to solve this issue. No, you will still need to walk in the world when you get married. Are you getting what I'm saying? If not, if you don't control it, <laughs> you are going to do worse in marriage. So you will still need to walk in the word. In, you still need to follow the word. You still need to renew your thought pattern, even in the marriage. You still need to walk on your mind. You still need to walk on your heart. You will still need to walk in love. You still need to be sober. You still need to be vigilant. Are you getting what I'm saying? So imagine you are now with a partner that does not even now know the word. <laughs> Why am I talking marriage here, Bridget? Is any of you planning marriage at my back in this church? <laughs> so feed yourself consistently all the time. And I'm still wondering why I'm talking marriage. It's totally off my script. <laughs> anyway, but I'm sure it's blessing you, right? It's blessing your relationships and all of those things. So be careful of keeping friends, not doing what you are called to do. Personally, as a principal, I don't relate intimately with friends who are not doing the work of ministry. I will only be talking to you on the surface level, but you will think we are close, but we are not close. You don't know. <laughs> That's me. I just know how to define my relationships. You just think we are close, but we are never close. My intimate friends are those I still spoke to this morning. Emoji, I have a service. This is what I'm going through. But I don't talk to you about service. There are some people that I can never tell them about what I'm doing in church. How do you call myself your friend and I cannot discuss ministry with you? That's not friendship for me. That's the major priority in my heart. That's what consumes my soul. I'm thinking of how I'm going to reach the world. I'm thinking of, we are thinking of how we are going to send materials to different places in the world. Then I can't discuss that with you. We can't be friends. We are just acquaintances. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? You have to define certain things. What's foremost on your mind? I can't keep people as friends who, don't, who are not walking in where I'm going. It's so simple because I've got a plan of God in my life to follow. And you too have. You too got a plan to follow. You've got a plan 
to follow. You've got a GPS to direct you. Are you getting what I'm saying? I don't want to walk in my plans. I don't want to walk in your own plans. Because man is a product of evil. Your thought pattern will influence me. The way I'm talking today, I'm influenced. The way I'm walking today is because I'm influenced. The way I'm dressed today is because I'm influenced. Your thought pattern will influence me. And I don't want to be influenced. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I watch my company. Are you getting what I'm saying? What friends do you have that will not make you follow God's plan for your life? They can be your friends. Am I saying you should, you should not speak to them anymore? You should not do that, do that. You just know what you are saying with them. You keep yourself very careful. There are certain people I can't discuss God's leading. I tell you, okay, this is what God is leading me to do in the next two months. There are certain people I can't talk to about it. You just discover that I disappeared. You just say, ah, you didn't tell me. How would I have told you? There was a friend I used to have. Let's say I used to have. I suddenly found out that she just became very cynical about God's call on my life. She just said, are you sure that God says you should preach? Uh-huh. Ah. And this is somebody we used to pray together. Spend hours on call, pray. She gave me prophecies as touching. This is what God wants you to do. This is the ah. All of a sudden, she just started saying, are you sure you are called to preach? Ah. <laughs> I said, I know it. If, I'm so sure even more than my name. I said, my name is your best. I don't believe my name. I believe that call. Now, and that's because she has been influenced with so many wrong things. Can I still discuss certain things with her? No! <laughs> I tried one time and I made a mistake. I almost made a mistake. I started doubting certain things. I said, oh, next time, uh, I'll go for gift. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you following me this morning? So, you got to be careful. What are you doing? Because if not, you will be doing what they are doing. You will be going in the direction they are going. If you have friends who don't like church, you will never like church. If you have friends who don't like the work of ministry, who don't like service, who don't like speaking in tongues, who are very critical, if that's what you are reading online, if that's what you are reading on social media, you are never going to like it. It's life. And you know what? You know what happened? Many a times you think it's logical, but you have followed their plan for your life. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? Many a times you think, mm, you read something, and you just feel, mm, word, I knew it. <laughs> and you follow that thing. Let me tell you, you are just not smart. You just followed their plan for your life. <laughs> so you see what I'm teaching you? I'm not teaching you that. I'm teaching you that many a times, God's plan for your life is from where? From your inward witness within. And how do you start spotting it? You see it from the patterns of God's word. That from God's word, number one is service. Right? Right, guys? Don't worry, we're going to study much of this in this series. We are just building, like I said. And let me just say this as I gradually begin to close. You need to expose yourself a lot to the written word. You need to expose yourself a lot to the word. Why? Because, let me tell you something, and I will be careful of saying this because I'm going to build on it much later in this series. Before we got into knowledge, God... See, before, mm, God help me, I'll, I'll be very careful and very 
because I'm, it's something I'm planning to explain in the course of this series. So please pay attention to what I'm saying. Many a times, before we came into knowledge, when I mean knowledge, I mean into the light of God's word, probably even into salvation, or maybe kind of the right influence you have around you, or probably maybe the local church you are in. God actually arranges and orchestrates something that will make you make that choice. So let me tell you what it does. It just package you, tell you that you meet somebody, you meet this person, you meet this person. Then all of those things is an orchestration. Then from there, he wants you to make a choice. So in God's divine providence, God's will, God's um, desire, he wants you to do his work. And that's what he does for every man. But what people do is that they resist it. So that's why sometimes you will have the right kind of influence. But they will be too boring for you. You will go to the wrong people. Sometimes you will have met the right persons. But you will leave that kind of associations and go to the wrong ones. And start talking to the wrong persons. Start talking to the wrong friends. Start talking to the wrong people. You know what is happening? You are about to miss something. Sometimes it brings you to the right local church. But because of offenses, because of issues, because you just feel like, these guys are just not serious. You just say, I'm going. <laughs> and you know, many a times, many a times we don't like to remember our very first entrance. Many a times, your very first entrance into the ministry is very supernatural. Your very first thing, you just know that you meet that person, you meet that person. This could not have been natural. It was just God's God trying to put your steps in the right place. So many a times, it can take you a while. But you know what we do? We fight it. We refute it. We say, no. And because we have not renewed our mind enough to find out, okay, is this the right thing? Is this the right thing? So sometimes, I can tell you, I can tell you patterns in my own life. I'm doing what I'm doing today. I'm talking about the work of ministry now, not in the work of natural. My steps was orchestrated from the very first instant. I met somebody. That met somebody. That taught me the gospel. That explained things to me. That led me to this. In fact, the guy who led me to my pastor today is not following my pastor. I say it here tomorrow. So that means we just became friends for a while for that orchestration. I, say, I tell people, I say, the person who laid hands on me to do ministry, at some point cursed me out and said, God did not call you again. I said, ha, you were the one that confirmed it, that God called me, and you laid hands and spoke. The next year, she said I was a failure. So that means I've gotten what I needed to get, right? I need to run with that. So many a times, God sets you in this place, in this family, some reason. Some people were wondering, why did they not give birth to me in why did they not give birth to me in Finland? Why did they not give birth to me in the UK so that I can have the accent? Why was I not giving birth to in um, Cali or in Las Vegas? Oh, so that I can just be living the life. Uh, <laughs> it might take you years to find out why exactly you are in that family. I told my sisters one day, I said, I told my mother one day when I was very young, I said, I think I know why. I was born in this family. She said, why? I explained certain things to her, which I won't share with you. And she said, ah. She said, how did you know? I said, I prayed. And God told me this. 
She was like, ah. She said, this thing you are saying is something I knew when you were very much younger. And I was like, oh, okay. So you never told me. God, for, God told me. And some of, some, some of you don't know. We just blame everything. We just say, oh, I don't know why I'm in that family. The, the, the family is too poor. I know. <laughs> uh, I, why did they not give birth to me in, um, um, in Atlanta? Why, so that I can, uh, I, I can even, you know, why was I not white? Why was I not black? You know, some people, that's, they just have identity issues. Why was I not black? Why was I not white? Why was I, why, why am I that short? Why am I that tall? Uh, and it might take you years to find out what exactly is that reason. So I, I, as we approach this series, please for me, I close. Um, we would start approaching uh, why we were called. Hallelujah. We start approaching God's plan for our lives. So it might take you years, right? It might take you quite a while to find out um, God's plan, right, for our lives. And um, some people don't know. Some people are still wondering, why am I in this church? Why am I in this family? Why did I go to that school? See, I told somebody, I said, I know the exact reason God led my parents to take me to my secondary school. I would have gone to another secondary school or another high school as it were. But I believe my parents were led to put me there. Uh, some reason, sometimes as you grow in life, you will look back at your experiences and say, oh, it makes sense now. That, oh, it makes sense now. So you would do it via your experiences, right? God would do a lot of those things via your experiences. And especially maybe the teaching of God's words and all, just like here in this teaching now, I expect that many of you will just do some reflections and just say, oh, I think it makes sense now. And many other times, you arrange your stuff. So now that you know, so a lot of times, you arrange your steps. So when you're not coming in contact with God's word, it leaves you to take responsibility to follow him. So all the way, he has just been driving the wheels, driving the wheels, driving the wheels, like, move this direction, move this direction. Yet, yet he was not superimposing himself on you, right? But he was just orchestrating circumstances. So many times, bad things will just happen to you. But many of us have not learned to use our bad times well. It's never going to be good times all the way, I'm telling you. So many, many times, your bad times will not make you repel. You just make you more adding towards God. Uh, actually, he was trying to lead you to something, orchestrate your steps towards something, lead you to a right direction, probably give you a new friend, probably block out a certain channel, do something. So some of us will not think, uh, and that's because you don't know. So as you now come in contact with God's word, he now leads you to start taking the responsibility and say, okay, now that you know the word, this is your time to follow his plan. Are you seeing, are you getting what I'm saying? So. He arranged yourself to follow his plan. So you will now be the one to continue. And how would you continue? By prayer, by the reading of the written word, right? The inward witness, right? You'll be checking the directions. And don't forget, the number one foundation we've laid today is service, right? One of the first things, not even the first thing, the major thing in fulfilling God's plan, you must be in service to the Lord. 
not just a church warmer, not just a church bencher, but just sitting down. But how active are you in the service of the Lord? And the key thing is submission. Um, if we learn to submit, many of us are very proud. We, we, we like to think of ourselves in our own eyes. We feel like we can do everything and we don't need God. Really? <laughs> no. So a lot of us trust in our intellect. We trust in our money. We trust in, our, in the fact that we have connections everywhere. You know what like the psalm says? It says, I look up to the hills from where my... You know, the beauty about that psalm is that that David was a king. He had everything he needed in life, right? And it's just at his call and beckon. But yet, David still said, I look up to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? But a lot of us trust in our intellect, trust in our money, trust in the fact that oh, our God is covered. Oh, we trust even in our degrees. We feel like, I've, I've gone to school, I've made this, I've done that. So we use fleeces, which we're going to study in the course of this series. So we use fleeces like saying um, envy, jealousy, bitterness, and all of those things. Now, I'll say this. It can never be God's plan. Put this down if you're writing. It can never be God's plan if it is about bitterness, if you did it for bitterness. It can never be God's plan if you did it because you were jealous of somebody. It can never be God's plan if you did it because you were envious. It can never be God's plan if you did it because you were angry. A lot of us get our motivation from jealousy like, uh-uh, that sister is, going to, is getting a master. I'm going to get my own too. And it's just because you were envious. That's not motivational. You must learn not to lie to yourself and place your decision well. Why are you doing what you are doing? Are you envious? Are you bitter? Are you very jealous? None of you can tell me in this place that you have never been envious before. It's a lie. Go outside and see a Tesla and tell me you will not be envious. It's a lie. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? Nobody can tell me they've never been jealous before or they've never been bitter. And that thing just spawned them like, I'm going to do my own. <laughs> I mean, all of you have been natural, right? Right, guys? Everybody has been there. But let me tell you, that decision you took in that state was never God's plan. <laughs> so sometimes, in those things you succeed. You will succeed though. You will make all the money. You will be successful. They will not tell you. They will not sit down with you and take this show and tell you, how did you do it? You see, I saw somebody do it. And I was inspired. And it's a lie. You were just jealous. You were just bitter. You were just envious. And you just felt like you want to do it. And let me tell you, you were never in God's will for your life. Because that's the realms of the flesh. That's the realms of the devil. So sometimes we make things happen by our own self that is not our own plan. So fear also should never motivate you. If it is fear, it's not God's plan. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you are fearful, when you are anxious, when you have worries to do things, it's not God's leading you. God will never lead you out of his character. He will never lead you with fear. He will never lead you with worry. He will never lead you with anxiety. If you are too anxious, ah, I just need to do it. That's not God's plan. If you are too fearful, ah, it's not God's plan. He says, he has given us the spirit again to fear. The spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. So, sometimes, 
God will make things happen to you. Do you know that? Sometimes, God makes things happen to you to deepen your prayer life. How many of you know? You just make his challenge happen. So one, one strange situation happen to deepen your prayer life. How many of you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Then when your prayer life now deepens, many of you will be waiting for another challenge to come again. No, you start from there and build up. It's now left for you to take it up from there. So sometimes you orchestrate the challenge to stay to happen. But you know what we do? We now stay in that super strange challenge for so long. And we don't see a remedy because you are not learning the wisdom of what you need to learn. So sometimes even mistakes happen. Mistakes in your life, mistakes in, in your journey of life. You make a mistake and you're like, I should never have gone, gone in that direction. I should never have gone this. And many of us don't know how to come out of that mistakes. We're going to learn that in this series. Um, we'll learn to use our mistakes to follow God's plan. And we'll see that all the men in scriptures were never perfect. The only perfect guy was Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, I, I taught you in Mission is Possible. I said, the man that God uses will make a false start, right? And he's never going to get it all right. So, you would make mistakes, right? But I, one of the things we'll study in this series is, how do you use your mistakes to follow God's plan? Because you're never going to all get it right. You're never. <laughs> Paul was a killer, right? And he still eventually said, I fulfilled my course. So did he still eventually get it right? I think he did. I think he did. This is a guy who killed, who murdered threats. Moses was a killer, right? He was once a killer. And this was that guy who delivered men. We'll learn it right we'll learn how to use our mistakes and how god has made arrangements for us right uh, let's just pray in the holy ghost I, I believe this has blessed you pray in the holy ghost while you reflect you just pray about it the holy ghost i know the lord has started work exchanging things we'll pick it up from here next week let's just pray in the holy ghost and just pray for your life that your steps are orchestrated to follow god pray how about you pray for yourself this morning. Let's be on our feet and let's just pray. Pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray for your life. I'm sure you have seen mistakes you made. I'm sure you have seen a plan you should not have taken. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. 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 Pray for your life. Holy Ghost, pray for your life, 
that decision you know you should never have taken it it's not too late by the spirit of God it's not too late by the spirit of God that step is not too late to withdraw back that plan you figured out is not too late to withdraw back I'm praying for you This morning when I was praying, I'm trusting God for this series. There was just one wisdom, there was just something that came to my spirit, and that is that this series will give you wisdom. Uh, I'm trusting God that many will hear this even as the years progress in nations of the world. This will create a very big wisdom on their lives. So I'm, I'm praying for you, I'm trusting God for you. Don't worry, be on your feet. I'm trusting God for you that you have wisdom. Say, I have wisdom. Say, I have wisdom. wisdom. There's something that was so strong in my heart early this morning. That's as you hear this this morning, you just, it's as though something will just come on you. And that's wisdom. Wisdom by the Spirit of God to navigate your steps in life, to navigate directions, right? To know what exactly to do and what not to do, right? To follow his leading promptly, like, this is the step to take, this is the exact steps to take. And it's going to happen by the power of God. Amen. Just worship the name of the Lord and thank Him this morning. 